Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the power of your word this morning. Father, we thank you that it has the power to change our lives. Lord, as we consume it, as we look at it, Father, as we see how it lines up in our lives, Father, thank you that the word of God is our high water mark. Father, we just thank you tonight, uh, this morning, Lord, that you're speaking through your word. Even now, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place, in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled colonial church said together, amen, amen, amen. amen. Don't you dare get quiet on me this morning. I'm going to come looking for you. (laughs) Anyone bring their Bibles to church? We'll get them out. Romans chapter 8, two passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 8. We're going to pick it up in verse 31 and 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I can just tell I'm in the mood to preach this morning. I'm in, I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. All right, Romans chapter 8. If for some reason, by some freak accident, you forgot your Bible this morning, it's okay, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. But this is Paul speaking to the church in Rome, and he says this, So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his, son, his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? which is you, one of God's chosen. Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. (laughs) Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. And he quotes Scripture. He says, they'll kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But he continues. He says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. (laughs) I'm absolutely convinced. Everybody say convinced. That nothing... Nothing living or dead, angel, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Come on, can we give God some praise for that passage of Scripture, that we even have it? Amazing. Paul may, have, may as well have said it this way, I know that I know What I know, that God loves us and He's drawn near to us because of Jesus this morning. 2 Timothy, I want to read that as well. In the ESV, verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, who saved us and called us. Remember, friends, you're saved and you're called. You're saved to a holy life, which means you're devoted to Him, which means you read your Bible, which means you pray. But it says you're saved and you're called. 
which means we are saved and there's an activity towards our faith. We're saved and called to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Now listen to this. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. Paul draws a line. The title of the message this morning is this, I got to draw the line. Everybody say, I got to draw the line. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm drawing a line. Paul gives us his line. He draws it for us. He says, I know. I have believed. I am convinced. I'm convinced. I wonder what you're absolutely convinced of in life. Conviction in the dictionary says this, a fixed and a firm belief beyond a doubt. In the legal world, to be convicted of a crime means that there is no doubt whatsoever to a judge or a jury, no doubt whatsoever that a crime has been committed. I wonder what you are convinced about this morning. I want to speak today about conviction. I spoke last week about the power of our confession, about how our confession not only matters, but it can change the world around us. Proverbs 18 and verse 21 In the message translation says, words kill, words give life. They're either fruit or poison you choose. They can change the world around us. They can build up a life. They can lift a life, but they can also tear a life down. The confession of our lives. But my convictions are what guide my course. My convictions this morning, they guide me. If you're taking notes, I'd love it if you could write this one down. My convictions determine where I draw the line in my life. My conviction underlays all the things that happen in my life. You know, growing up in the east coast of Australia, on the beaches, the beautiful beaches of Australia that you see in the tourism magazines. Well, I actually used to live there. I used to live on the beaches and I'd be down at the beach almost every single day. And I guess because of the coastline and where Australia is, on any given day, there'll be rough swell. Rough swell, four to five feet. On any given day, beach breaks swell and rips, currents, just all kinds of stuff. And even from a young age, just going to the beach every day, I'd be running in and out of the surf every single day and just growing up in that environment. But I remember in in PE class, you know, we'd be down at the beach and our instructor would begin to teach us, even from a young age, they teach kids, especially in Australia, hey, you've got to understand the way the surf works. You've got to understand the rip currents. You've got to understand the waves. You've got to understand the swell, the direction of things. You've got to look at it and see what's happening. But more than anything, they would talk about this thing called undertow. See, when it comes to the surf in Australia, yeah, the waves are important. What's happening on the surface is important. What's happening on the top is important. But there's an even deadlier thing that's happening lower down. It's called the undertow. It's this thing, it's almost like this super highway at the bottom of the ocean, below the waves that just kind of pulls people out. It pulls people out. And in fact, if you look at the body of water, they say that's the most powerful thing that's going on in the water. And it's so funny, later in life when I would do competition, 
in the surf, be going in and out doing competition, trying to get out to the boys faster than anyone else. On the big surf days, you would do everything you could because obviously a big wave comes, you want to get out of the way, so you go underneath. But on those days when the surf was big, you wanted to spend as much time as you can on the bottom because that super highway will just suck you out to the boys at the very end of where you wanted to go, the undertow. But see, that's what our convictions are like. They undergird our very actions and the things that we do in life, even more so than our morals. And our morals, of course, are the the right and wrong that we think in our heads, our mindsets. What do we think is right and wrong? Our morals, even more so than our principles or our ethos, our ethics, which is our, our rule book that we live by, even more so than our values. Our values are what we personally put value on, even more so than our integrity, which is all about my character as a man, even more so than my integrity, my convictions underline it all. My convictions are the undertow of my life. I wonder how strong your conviction is today in the things of God. How hard is it for you to get off course? How hard is it for you to drift away, to let the swells and the wind and the stuff happening on the surface level push you away? See, there's a big difference in life between how I feel and my convictions. There's a big, big difference in what I'm feeling versus what I'm convicted by. Paul said, I'm fully convinced. In 2 Timothy, he says, I'm convinced. I'm absolutely convinced. See, there's a big difference between how I feel and what I'm convinced by. You know, uh, most days, Jill and I will, in the morning with our three kids, we'll kind of divide and conquer. Does anyone else do this with more than one child? You've got to kind of divide and conquer to make it all work. So I'll take, I'll take Maisie, our daughter, to school. Jill will take the boys to daycare on the days that they go. But I can honestly say that on a Monday after I've preached on a Sunday, I don't necessarily feel like taking her to school. I don't necessarily feel like getting up early, getting everything ready, getting myself ready, making myself even somewhat <laughs> worthy of leaving the house and just in case I run into someone. Getting her organized, getting her backpack, getting her lunchbox, shuffling her into the car and heading off to school. Sometimes I don't feel like doing that. Oftentimes I don't feel like doing that. But can I tell you, I'm convinced or I have a conviction on the inside of me that education is important. I have a conviction on the inside of me that God has given me her life to steward. So I need to make sure she gets an education. All of a sudden, there's a conviction on the inside of me that leads me to supersede or move past my feelings and make sure I take her to school. Could you imagine if I did everything based on my feelings? She would go to school maybe one day a week. I do it because I have a conviction that knowledge is important. It's my responsibility. Write this down. Feelings make poor companions in life, but convictions are friends to my destiny. There is a danger, church, in 2018 that we let our feelings take the number one spot. This series we're in is called Out of Order. We're, all, we're reordering the priorities that God has for us in our lives. I talked about the priority of the first, the principle of the first. Last week, I spoke about the order of our confession. But we need to make sure today, 2018, we don't let our feelings supersede our convictions. Our feelings can so often dictate what our conviction, uh, convictions are supposed to dictate. 
Imagine if our lives were ruled by our impulses or our urges or our feelings. My convictions need to determine my feelings and not the other way around. Young people, can I encourage you today? Don't buy into the narrative that the world wants to sell you. Don't buy into the narrative to just do what you, whatever you feel is right. The world's going to try to sell you this narrative if, if it hasn't already. But your convictions will remind you of who you really are. Your convictions will remind you what you really believe. Your convictions will always line up against the Word of God. Your convictions will cause you to make good decisions. Your feelings may not. Point number one this morning. Is this, is this good this morning? Are you still with me this morning? Point number one, my convictions will cause me to push through. My feelings will cause me to turn back. My convictions will cause me to push through. You know, when I was 19, 20 years of age, I was saved, I guess, out of the social scene in Sydney. The nightclubs, the parties. I guess there's this thing called the social elite. I don't even know what that means. I don't even care about it anymore, but I used to care about it. The nightclubs, the, the cool places where all the cool people were hanging out. But something happened when I met Jesus. All of a sudden, God put a conviction in my heart that led me to do something different than what I was doing. All of a sudden, I found myself maybe from time to time going back into that scene, finding myself back in that environment, in that atmosphere. But there was just something that had changed on the inside. But let me tell you, friend, it was because God put a conviction on the inside of me. He put a conviction on the inside of me that led me to have the type of action where I just think, man, I don't want to even be here anymore. I don't need to be in this place anymore. I used to put value on this, but because of the conviction that God has dropped in my heart, I don't value it anymore. It's not important. My convictions will cause me to push through, but my feelings will cause me to turn back. Paul was showing us that the depth of his belief in Christ was because of the encounter that he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He said, I was, I'm persuaded, I believe, I'm convinced. But when I say, I feel like, it's different. It carries a different spirit to it. When I say, man, I just feel like this, it leaves room for me to bail. It leaves room for me to leave the door open. It leaves room for me to walk back out. But my convictions will cause me to push through. My convictions will cause me to push through. When I say, hey, I don't really feel like it, it means I'm not really committed. But conviction leads, leads to commitment. My convictions cause me to push through when it comes to the way I raise my family, the way I approach my marriage. I've got a conviction now that my kids need to be raised in an environment where the name of Jesus is lifted high every week. I have a conviction about it, which causes me to live a certain way in a world where every social issue or deal that's out there is somehow that, that is being raised above the name of Jesus. I have a conviction that there is no other name above Jesus. So it causes me to live a certain way. First Thessalonians chapter 1. I've brought this, uh, this passage to the pulpit before. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2 in the message. Paul's speaking to an eclectic group of believers that had put Jesus in the middle. They had a conviction about who he was. He says, day and night you're in our prayers as we call to mind your work of faith. 
your labor of love and your patience of hope. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like conviction to me. Sounds like conviction to me. Patience of hope in following your master, Jesus Christ, before God our Father. But look look at what he says here. It's clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but he's he's put his hand on you for something special. When the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words. It wasn't, it wasn't surface level. It wasn't wind and it wasn't waves. Something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put what? Steel in your convictions. I wonder who you're convicted about. Is Christ Jesus a conviction of yours? Has he put his hand on you? Do you know that you know that you know what you know? Imagine if we live with conviction to the point where we didn't allow ourselves to go to a place of regret. My convictions will cause me to make the right choices. My feelings don't always guarantee it. Imagine how many marriages would have survived if we lived by conviction and not feelings leading to regret. Imagine the amount of life that would still flow through families if we based our decisions on God convictions. I know, I believe, I'm convinced got real quiet all of a sudden we've got to be people in 2018 colonial church people of God conviction not people of feelings man I feel like doing it I don't feel like doing this man it just doesn't feel right but what does God say what does God say what does his word say stack your life up against that number two my convictions will guarantee I honor God my feelings may or may not My convictions will guarantee, as a Christian, my convictions, because God places them in us, and He affirms it through the Holy Spirit, that will will guarantee that I honor God. If I allow my convictions to rule, if I allow my feelings to rule, I may or may not. I might. I might not. Depends what day it is. It's Friday. I'm feeling good. TGI Friday. I'm feeling good. I'll honor God today, but my convictions will guarantee that I honor God. What about your deep down conviction about salvation and honoring God with your salvation? Jesus himself, man, he talked about just stealing himself. Luke chapter 9 verse 51 says, When it came close to the time of his ascension, says he gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem, for the journey ahead. Conviction will help you on the journey, friend. Salvation is a journey. It's not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing. It's moving. We are saved. We're what? Being saved. We move forward. It's a journey. Could you imagine if we lived out our salvation based on our feelings? Drifting like the wind. No idea what we believe, what we don't believe. Whether this is right, whether that's wrong. In Hebrews chapter 2, the author of Hebrews is trying to address a major issue which is that Jesus has moved out of the center of salvation. Jesus has somehow been pushed to the side. In verse 2, it says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention. Closer attention to this versus what we used to know, which was the law. See, the author of Hebrews is speaking to the Hebrew people in a legal context. It says, Lest we drift from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable... And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? 
It was declared at first by the Lord and attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. I wonder if you're still convinced about your salvation. I wonder if you're still convinced that Jesus needs to be in the middle of your salvation. Can I encourage you, friend, if Jesus is not in the center of your salvation, something else is. If Jesus is not in the middle of your salvation, of your salvation journey, where maybe all of a sudden it's become something like just going to church or being part of a a team or some sort of rule-based thing. If Jesus is not in the center, something else is. We need to make sure that no matter what, when it comes to the conviction of Christ, we honor God by putting Jesus in the middle of our salvation. Amen. Who sent a place for you? Jesus needs to be in the middle of your salvation. So point number one, my convictions cause me to push through. My feelings will oftentimes cause me to turn back. Point number two, if I live by God convictions, it guarantees that I honor God with my convictions and with my journey. And number three, my convictions make way for others. My feelings are all about me. Ouch. My convictions make a way for others, but my feelings, man, they're all about me. My God convictions always make a way for others. In fact, oftentimes my convictions move me out of the way and bring others into full view. Is this resonating with anyone this morning? When I have a God conviction, when God is clearly first in my life, when it's deep down on the inside of me, I find myself moving out of the center so someone else can get in full view of God. I'm going to say it again. When I have a God conviction, I get pushed to the side so that God can get a look at someone else. My God conviction will push people to the front, other people. What about the conviction that we as Christians need to tell other people about Jesus? My feelings will never make a way for that to be consistently true in my life. If I base my wanting to share the message of the gospel, talk about Jesus, if I let my feelings rule that part of my life, I'll tell no one about Jesus. I'll tell no one because I'll get to that place and I'll be like, man, I don't feel like it. (laughs) I don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing it today or it just doesn't feel right. I was confronted with this just recently. Found out someone near where I live. It's a really nice guy. God's put it on my heart to, to invite him to church. We should be inviting as many people as we can to church. Just FYI. <laughs> as many people as we can. Because there's an urgency to it. But God just impressed him with me. You're going to invite that guy to church. And by the way, we're building the type of church Just so everyone knows, we're trying to build a type of church where all we need to do is get someone through those doors. All we need to do is push them. (laughs) If you have to kick them, kick them. Kick them through the doors. Let Jesus do the rest. That's the God we serve. It's not our power. It's the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working through a life that changes people. It's not us. That's the type of church we're believing for. Where people know I can invite my friend, I can get someone to come with me to church. All I need to do 
and I'll say anything. I'll bribe them. I'll give them money. I'll tell them that we'll go to the store afterwards and I'll buy them a pair of Nikes. It doesn't matter. Just get them in. I believe that's the type of church we're building, friends. All you got to do is get someone in the doors. But God's been impressing upon me, this guy. You know, it just always felt like not the right time. Always felt like, man, there's going to be a better opportunity. Always felt like, hmm. And just recently, I found out he's got a progressive stage of cancer. Progressive stage of cancer. Can Can I just encourage you, friend? All of a sudden, my feelings were no longer there. My feelings no longer were in front of me. My feelings all of a sudden were somewhere else. And my conviction on the inside of me was like, man, this guy's got to come to church. He's got to know about Jesus. He's got to hear about the gospel. He's got to know that God loves him. My convictions will always make a way for other people. My God convictions will make way for other people. Romans 14 Paul, again, is addressing an issue. (laughs) Could you imagine if the Apostle Paul lived by feelings? (laughs) Could you imagine? He would have just went and sat on a beach somewhere in Greece, put his feet up, made a canoe, go from island to island, just, you know, hanging out with his buddies. No, he had a God conviction. Something was impressed upon him on that Damascus road. Flip the switch. And here he is just forming and shaping and helping the church be all it's supposed to be here in Romans 14. Verse 10, I think I just dropped this in late so we may not have it on the screen. But he says this, So where does that leave you when you criticize a brother? And where does that leave you when you condescend to a sister? I'd say it leaves you looking pretty silly. Or worse, eventually we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment before God. Your critical and condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. Read it for yourself in Scripture, and he quotes the Old Testament again. It says, As I live and breathe, God says, Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will tell the honest truth that I, and only I, am God. So he says, So tend to your knitting. Or in other words, get on with talking to people. Get on with doing this. You've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God. Verse 13, forget about deciding what's right for each other. How often do we do that? We just try to decide for people, well, you should do this, you should do that. He's saying, just let God take care of that. You worry about your own life. Here's what you need to be concerned about, that you don't get in the way of someone else, making life more difficult than it already is. And he says this, I'm convinced. Jesus convinced me. That everything as it is in itself is holy. We, of course, by the way we treat or talk about it, can contaminate the message. See, if I have a God-given conviction, what I see is different. Every single day, I see things differently. And it's not like those movies where, like, I see things. I see things. But I see God things. I see the God things that God's put in my life. When I'm open to the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden a conversation is no longer just a conversation. It's an opportunity. It's no longer just a passerby opportunity. I get the opportunity with my confession to speak life into that person. I get an opportunity with my conviction to maybe invite that person to church or find out where they sit with God. 
where they're placed with Him. And all of a sudden, that conviction is now in control. My feelings are somewhere else. Conviction and feeling, two completely different things. How often do we get it the wrong way around? How often do we find ourselves just working or moving according to our feelings? I love it in Joshua 24, verse 15. A lot of you would know it. But it's almost like this conviction rises up on the inside of me. He says, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's conviction. That's not feeling. So when it comes to his world, Joshua is saying, you know what? I'm drawing the line. I got to draw the line. You guys can do whatever you want. You are the people that supposedly serve God. You can do whatever you want. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a conviction on the inside of us. We need to live this way, friends. Because it'll change the way we raise our kids. It'll it'll change the way we approach our marriages. It'll change the way we approach our friends. A God conviction, not a feeling. It's that song, I got a feeling. No, stop the song. Delete it. Paul said, I'm convinced. I know. I believe. I'm convinced. I'm convinced the type to, to live the type of life that God wants me to live. I'm convinced the colonial church needs to be the type of church where we're all about others. I'm convinced that we can be the type of church, the type of people. When it comes to the things of God, we don't just smooth things over and just say, oh, it's fine. No, 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 we deal with it. We ask people to come into the presence of God. We ask them to get free. We ask the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit can do. It's a God conviction. And I love it because God is the one who put all the parameters in place. God is the one who set the structure up. Billy Graham said it like this. He said, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict And it's my job to love. Let God do the judging. He's the ultimate judge. Let the Holy Spirit help correct people, help people to see the error of their ways. Let the Holy Spirit bring sin out into the light. But why don't we just love people? Why don't we just make a way for people? Come on, that's worth giving God some praise in the house. No golf claps in here. You know, even today in 2018, there's a lot of stuff going on out in the world. There's a lot of stuff happening out there in the world. There's a lot of legislation going on out there in the world. There's a lot of things, people are saying things are okay out there in the world. That's not our battle. That's not what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is love people. What we're supposed to do is tell people the truth. But at the same time, we're supposed to love people. It's God's job to judge them. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict them. It's our job to love them and to welcome them home. Don't go and fix yourself up. Don't take yourself off to the body shop and try to, you know, bang everything into place and then come into church. Just come into church. Just come into church. Come as you are. Who cares what you look like? When I first showed up at church, and I'm ashamed to even say this, when I showed up to church for the first time, Pastor Carl Lentz will tell you if he was standing right here, I had this short shirt on and said Playboy across my chest. (laughs) I was so banged up, out of shape, but I'm so thankful that the church let me in. I said I was ashamed to tell you that, but I want to be transparent as your pastor. I was banged up. I was out of shape. I had a bad mouth. I had a lot of stuff going on. 
I was broken. <laughs> I needed Jesus. And I didn't even know it. And see, that's the thing about the church we're building. We're inviting people in to a place they don't even know what's going on. And I love it. It's the type of church we're called to be. Amen. Can I get an amen in the house this morning? Team, you can come back up and join me. We're about to close. Pray for some people. One of my life verses that was spoken over me as a young Christian is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul says it like this in the message. He says, there's not the slightest doubt in my mind that he who began this great work in you, that he who began it in you will carry it through to completion on the day that Christ Jesus appears. That he who began, there's not a slightest doubt in my mind. But can I encourage you, friend, when you live according to a God conviction, doubt might try to come in. But doubt's never going to win. Doubt is never going to win. Fear is never going to win. Failure is never going to win. Come on. The Holy Spirit conviction on the inside will always win. We need to be the type of people. There's not the slightest, slightest doubt in my mind that God is at work in my life. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? You receive that word today? I wonder what you're fully convinced about. What are you convicted of? Is it that Jesus is Lord? Is it He's saved and He's called you? Is it He has a higher purpose for your life? He's got a plan for you, friend. He loves you. I wonder what God's speaking to you right now from this message. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? When it comes to our convictions, the beauty of it is, is the Holy Spirit is the one who reminds us of our convictions. Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside us and whispers in our ear and says, mm, you're not going the right way. You're not doing the right thing. Remember that conviction. We're going to sing. God's going to lead us. I'd love it if you just pray and just ask God, what are you speaking to me? through this message. Come on, let's sing. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.